This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. My name's Ross McLeod. I'm your host, reminding you that you can listen to our massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. You can find that on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites by searching Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. And at Suplex Retweet is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Now, before I introduce my guest, Scott McLeod, for the week, uh, just to let you know, this is going to be a, a shorter central than usual. We're going to discuss all things WWE. We're not going to be discussing AEW because we're on the road to All Out. We're going to do a very special episode recording on Thursday, probably released on Friday, uh, about AEW All In. Um, I said All Out. They've got All Out. The next week we might discuss that too. <laughs> AEW All In preview show coming out on Friday. So this is going to be discussing just all the WWE news and everything AEW will be left to Thursday. Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Well, I'm here because I'm contractually obliged, but I'm happy <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> yes, well, it's it's very much... Um, aye, moving on. <laughs> Let's discuss some of the big WWE news coming out of uh, the last few weeks. Edge uh, recently had his 25th anniversary this past Friday night on SmackDown. He wrestled Sheamus in the main event, a great match. Uh, in front of his hometown crowd of Toronto. After the match, Edge got on the mic and said it's his last ever match in Toronto to booze from the crowd. But he said thank you. He, you know, hugged his hugged his family, and it's led to rumours that he's retiring, Scott, um, or possibly going to AEW. Yeah, that is that's very interesting because it's best final after you on his contract. And, you know, that does feed into the retirement rumours as, you know, how much of a long-term deal will they want to re-sign? How many more matches will they want to do if he wants to continue wrestling, given, you know, his age, the injuries that he's suffered over the years? Even, like, since he's come back, he suffered that, that arm injury during the match with Randy Orton. So he's basically talking over his options. But clearly it was important for him if it was his last match to have it in Toronto because... I remember they hyped up a match between him and Damian Priest last year, which we thought, oh, it will be on pay-per-view. They did on a Raw in Toronto, and then I remember at that show when the cameras were off, he said that he might be finishing up next day in the go to Toronto, and he is once again his hometown with somebody that he obviously respects and and uh, Sheamus. But, you know, if it, mean, if it means that much to him, but going out in Toronto, even if it is on TV, then fair enough to him, because maybe some wrestlers don't want the big pop and circumstance with their with their retirement, you know, on a pay-per-view. And he just wants to quietly maybe slip away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if he's going out on a win. Maybe he doesn't feel like he wants to, you know, win a big pay-per-view on the way out. Maybe, you know, leaving in front of his hometown crowd and, you know, his friends and family does mean more. Um, he has said before he's not interested in doing, like, title matches or anything anymore. He has competed for the US title and the world title recently, but eh, sorry, the WWE title. Um, but he says he's not interested in championships anymore. He's done all he can. Um, 
it's hard to know what's happening just now because according to Mike Johnson of PW Insider, the word going around backstage at SmackDown is that Edge's contract doesn't expire until October. Uh, if that information is accurate, then it eliminates any chance of Edge showing up at AEW's All In or All Out the following week. Um, apparently, the window is going to give Edge and WWE time to negotiate and come to terms for a new deal, or he'll expire and it'll go elsewhere. However, Edge said on the fan morning show, which was recorded prior to his match on SmackDown, a he said he wasn't sure about what was next for him, but he, he wanted to confirm that his con- contract with the company, current contract with the company, expires at the end of September. So again, uh, October or September, it does kill any chance of him showing up at Wembley or in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, and as people, selfishly, as people who are going to Wembley, you know, the fact, possibility of being there for another master signal, like those of us in the, those on the team who were lucky enough to be there in Cardiff when they had the big like sing along for Metal English during Edge's entrance at that show. You know, it's kind of upsetting, but it'll depend where they want, where he wants to, because I think he'll have to go and promote that, that new Percy Jackson show that he's in, which comes in December, and the trailers just came out for that. And also, this is, a lot of talk has been about maybe going to AEW, because Christian's there, maybe hey, and Christian doing something one last time, because, you know, the Hardys are there. He's good friends with FDR. They helped them, helped them like, get back in the ring shape when he wanted to come back. So maybe some Edge and Christian VFTR, maybe a, a wee bucket list thing he wants to do before he before he wraps things up. Although I have seen some people quite hilariously talking about the idea of like what would he be called if he went to AEW? He couldn't just be, be Christian and Adam, and people think of variations on Edge if he went over there. Kind of like those old rumors when someone would leave when Impact was the only other option. Like what's play on person's name doing in the Impact Zone, Michael? Kind of things. What's John Gina doing in the impact zone? Um, yeah, I, I mean, even see if you just called him, like, I think I think he does have kind of like what the Rock had. He has a oh god, what is it? Is that co ownership of the name? Um, I think he, I think he has that because uh, the that was why the Rock was still allowed to call himself the Rock. Uh, when he first went to Hollywood, and then in 2004, when his contract expired, he chose instead of chasing the name up, he just called himself Dwayne Johnson. But I mean, I mean William Regal had a similar thing. Like Regal years ago got the chance to basically own the name William Regal. He got it from Vince, and he just like he owned the name, which is why when he went to DW, he was allowed to be, you know, William Regal. You know, mm-hmm. Christian Cage when he left when he was an Impact and. Now in AEW, we use now Christian Cage. Also, that was the name he used when he when he was coming up to the Indies in Canada. So, obviously, mm. just keep it adding the cage there means he can still use the be referred to as Christian on TV. So, I mean, um, whether, whether or not that opens the door to is going becoming all elite and referring back to himself as Sexton Hardcastle once again. <laughs> I was about to say that. I think Christian was smarter because I don't think Sexton Hardcastle is someone they want to um, see make a return. But yeah, I mean, maybe he could make a deal with you too, call himself The Edge, have a remix of You Think You Know Me, sang by Bono. I mean, anything's possible. Tony will pay for any music. Um, I would like to see Edge and Christian versus FTR. Um I think even if he went to AEW as Adam Copeland, he could even like when they're going to try and introduce him, he takes a you know the microphone off the ring announcer and goes, "You know who I am." You know what I mean? Like they could get it round, get round it that way, or like, yeah. like they used to do when Cody was in a mixed tag match, it'd be Cody and Brandy Rhodes. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think I don't know what kind of deal Dory has got with with Metal, with Walter Bridge to use the song because. While everyone else's themes, for the most part, do do seem fairly like the same, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. quite genetic. This is like this one piece of like license music they've had for years, and I'm sure they he has a decent, there's no issue with the band. And Tony's got the checkbook that he can still use Alter Bridge if he wanted to when he comes in. Maybe not with maybe without the you think you know me, but honestly, that I think it would be weird to, to hear him commit to anything else. Well. David Campbell gets on at me um, every week about not adding a big question because we used to do that on Central 
Um, but there's been some changes recently. So, but let's bring back the big question, Scott. Let's let's ask the viewers um, or the listeners because no one's watching us. We're in our rooms alone. <laughs> People are always watching. They're always watching you. <laughs> let's ask the listeners. What would you like to see Edge do? Would you like to see him stay in WWE or would you like to see him go to AEW? And if he stays or goes, like the Clash says, who would you like to see him face in WWE for a potential last match? Who would you like to see him go up against in AEW? Personally, I am leaning towards him going to AEW to team with Christian to take on FTR, but um, I don't know if the Dead Dad Collective uh, are looking for new members at the moment. Uh, Scott, what about you? Are you hmm. are, what, what are you leaning towards? Do you think you should stay in WWE or do you think you should go to AEW? I mean, just to see what it would be like and what he would be called there, I think uh, seeing him AEW would be cool, maybe to check a few matches that maybe he can't do in WWE, because he, he ran that he, that bloody Judgment Day well dry, the Seth Rollins thing has been done, the stuff with Roman Reigns, there aren't that many people that really want to see him have that many matches with at the minute in WWE, as opposed to when he came out, when you think, oh, there's all these possibilities, he said, for much most of them, whereas, you know, having Christian whether where they two came in when like, he had one last proper heel run because he stuffed with Judgment Day as a heel got cut short. So maybe having him turn heel with Christian and join the dead dag like to them giving concertos <laughs> to people once again. Or maybe even have Chris, have Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy reunite as a heel Jurassic Express and Christian turns face by realigning with, with Edge and having them go on their tag team as a good, good guys again. But in terms of like singles matches, proper rated R Edge against MJF would be a good one. I think that would be good there, absolutely. Um, let's move on from Edge to one of his biggest rivals who appeared via satellite on SmackDown this past Friday, and he's going to be live in person on September 1st. It's John Cena! <laughs> Jesus Christ, that killed my throat. Um, yes, it was announced. You're uh, a 30-year-old man. I know, I know. Uh, but he's in his 40s and still wearing jobs. So, I mean, moving on. It was announced John Cena would be appearing at the WWE SmackDown taping on September 1st. And he'll be wrestling at the WWE Superstar Spectacle in India on September the 8th. Um, Scott, are we looking forward to Shanky versus John Cena? <laughs> I mean, they tease us multiple times when Jenner was champion of him versus John Cena. Now it's time the dream match we've all been wanting. Get the My Way video package put together now, WWE. The dream match we've all been avoiding. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about like what this could be. Like, I think also the appearance in SmackDown will set up some sort of match. I've heard some people theorise that maybe after the Grayson Waller thing, I saw one potential matchup with these like, Waller and Miz versus LA Knight and Cena as a as a tag match, which which wouldn't be too bad. But yeah, it is random now the things that they pull John Cena out for. And to be honest with you, after the Austin Theory match, no, I'm not looking forward to seeing John Cena. In fact, do you? I'm just uh, that whole Jinder Mahal WWE title run does just feel like a weird fever dream now. And <laughs> I'm um, I'm remembering actually. Do you remember, it was the night Baron Corbin cashed in, John Cena faced Jinder Mahal in a, in a non-title match, and they were trying to, this is when they were trying to get Jinder over as a serious competitor. They billed it as possibly the biggest SmackDown main event of all time, John Cena versus Jinder Mahal. Bear in mind, the first SmackDown was main evented by The Rock and Triple H. You know, I'm not saying that's the biggest SmackDown main event of all time, but it certainly sets the bar. And <laughs> gender, did, gender, like a midget trying to do pull-ups, came nowhere near the bar. <laughs> anyway, I know. Uh, I, like, I remember, like, there was that. You say, like, it was a weird fever dream, as if that's just in hindsight. It was a weird fever dream at the fucking time. But no, I remember you had John Cena and Nakamura the first time ever, and as far as I can remember, the only time ever in a singles match on SmackDown when I would fight Jinder Mahal at. SummerSlam, which just feel weird these two are fighting a fight Jinder Mahal. I think the best thing I saw on Twitter at the time was this would be like Goldberg and Steve Austin fighting for the right to fight Hardcore Holly for the WF title. <laughs> I remember we had, did we not have um, 
Is there not like Edge uh, versus Chris Jericho in a SmackDown main event to face for the right to face Jack Swagger at one point? That was yes. how you know, there have been some weird ones. Yeah, another bigger SmackDown main event than, than that there. But um, Dave Meltzer has been talking about the event in India and talking about how it's came together. He said on the Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, the building is set up for somewhere between 3,500 to 4,000 seats, and the event will be broadcast on TV in India, similar to the first Superstar Spectacle in 2021. Uh, WWE's business partners based in India have brought them in for the show, and Meltzer believes the programme will air prime time on the Sony network. Superstar Spectacle was originally supposed to take place earlier this year, but was delayed due to a merger involving Sony and in India. So this was the one that was meant to be a week before the Royal Rumble. Uh, he said, additionally, plans to heavily feature the company's Indian talent uh, have been relatively, uh, the site, sorry, the wrestlers have been relatively rare sites in recent months, and there's no call yet on whether Veer, Sangha, or Jinder Mahal will be wrestling on the show. What I found weird about this, and I think we talked about it at the time, Scott, it does have all the big Indian talent, Veer, Shanky, uh, Veer, Shanky, Sagna, um, Jinder Mahal Sangha Sangha you did man uh, and then it has the big stars like your Drew McIntyre your Becky Lynch's and what have you and then just randomly Odyssey Jones is is Odyssey Jones um, <laughs> is Odyssey Jones over in India do we not know about this I think someone just put him on the poster to see like if anyone would notice and clearly you have because like I remember <laughs> there's a famous story about the video game WCWN Revenge where it's Hogan, Goldberg, Nash, and randomly Raven on the cover <laughs> because somebody who, behind the, who was working on the game and the artwork liked Raven, and even though he wasn't as big a star as the other three, put a one to see if anyone complained about it, and no one did. <laughs> we talked about this as well. This is how the Viscera Loving between me and Gary happened. We talked about the <laughs> WrestleMania 2000 uh, magazine cover where it was Rock, Triple H, Mick Foley, Viscera. It does feel like somebody who doesn't even watch wrestling sometimes is, in, is charged with picking wrestlers to be on the cover. I think a couple of names that they do know and just take other people and assume they're just as big a name. But we all know they very much, they very but, much yeah. aren't. Um, it's unknown who's seen his opponent's going to be uh, as his first match since that Austin Theory debacle at WrestleMania. Um, any any preferences who you think you'll uh, who you'd like to see him face, or who do you think he will face? I mean, I can't think of anybody like other than Grayson Waller after the segment at SummerSlam at the Money in the Bank. I can't think of anybody who it would make sense to have because you know Grayson Waller's fighting. I think Ray on SmackDown. He had the stuff we've seen. Now. He had this thing with Edge, and then he was getting in Cena's face. So. They're kind of having Grayson Waller calling it part-timers because he, he had to go at Ray for taking Santos' spotlight. Like, oh, you legend, not enough that you've already been to him and you want more of the spotlight. So maybe he was going like, oh, now you're coming back for more after you humiliated me and money in the bank. Well, you humiliated me in England, I'm going to humiliate you in, in India. Yeah, I, I don't see John Cena losing in India. Um, yeah. That does seem like a bit more of a storyline. I'm going to be honest with you. I see it being the gender veer and Sagna or Sanga um, will attack him on SmackDown. The New Day will make the save, and then the New Day will team with John Cena against Jinder and Pals. And even though they're from India, the New Day and John Cena will get cheered. <laughs> uh, and God, God knows what else is going to happen. But yeah, um, it's funny that. You know, before that, we've got all in, all out, payback, and then that within only a two week span. You know, save the best for last. You know, <laughs> all in, all out, all busy. <laughs> We're not watching it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, it's no uh, no shit if it's going to be on the WWE Network. I think it is just going to be in India. It'll maybe get uploaded after it, but I don't see it being a, a ground. You know, a groundbreaking event. I think it's going to be. Like, know how they try to make the Saudi shows part of the uh, part of the um, storylines now, whereas before they were like this weird 
it's it's part of the story, but it's not part of the story. You know, they were glorified house shows. I think that's what this is going to be. But it'll be nice to see Cena back. Just hopefully, wrestles better than he did against Austin Theory. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think his first match in OVW probably wrestled better than Austin Theory, and he didn't fucking know anything about wrestling then. But it just didn't seem like he was trying in that match. Oh, that's that, that's something. Sorry, just popped in my head. Have you seen Netflix is doing a documentary about OVW? I've seen that, yeah. That, that, I forgot all about that, yeah. Um, God knows. But when that, it's it September, it's out, isn't it? Mid-September. You know, like, I think it said something in the description, like, it's time to say there's legendary gym, so maybe it's about the struggles of, like, current-day OVW, like, trying to stay afloat. I mean, Alice knows going to be featured heavily in it, as he's, like, the owner and head trainer at the school. Yeah, it's um, oh Christ, what was his name, Mister Spectacular uh, Jesse yeah, from Jesse. from AEW and uh, from Impact Wrestling back in the day. Uh, Tara's old boyfriend. <laughs> do Do you remember the show he got introduced on? Yeah, he was like a Bound for Glory, wasn't it? Like it was a Bound for like Glory, that. and they were announcing that a celebrity had signed with Impact Wrestling, and they did the usual thing, you know that wrestling does you know, oh is it, is it George Clooney is it Brad Pitt is it X Y and Z and it was like please welcome Jesse and Taz was like Jesse the Jesse and it was like <laughs> it was like George Costanza Marissa Tomei the Marissa <laughs> but it was just so cringeworthy and it was like it was like you could clearly tell Mike Tenay was reading going yes and Jesse who was on Big Brother, you're like, really? Big Brother, was Jade Goody not available at the time? Like, for fuck's sake. I mean, okay. you see him go like, Jesse, of the Newport Jesses? <laughs> right, because he's like, he was on reality TV, I'm like, okay, I know, I mean, their panel shows are shows with the word celebrity in the UK that really stretch the word celebrity with these reality TV people, whoever, that pop on it, but even... Shows like that, people who work on shows like that would say that Impact was fucking taking the piss yeah. <laughs> with that kind of move. You know, he was better off when he was a tie team with maybe Robbie either or the, the Bromans, I think they were called. Oh, they, they were quite good. I quite enjoyed them, but um, this is a, just a wild, wild <laughs> detour here. I do have the story about uh, the wrestling docuseries. We'll talk about that in a wee minute. Let's talk about uh, Lacey Evans. Yes, we do have to before you ask. Um, after seven years in the WWE system, uh, Lacey Evans' contract expired midnight on Tuesday, August 15th. Uh, Evans is apparently planning to open a cafe uh, where she lives and revealed to the Island News that she exited WWE to focus on helping bring her community, uh, helping her community normalise mental health issues and provide support for those suffering with addiction issues. So that's quite nice. Uh, she said, I thought I could become more of assistance fighting a different fight than in a WWE ring. I want to focus on helping my community fight against addiction and fight on the mental health side to normalise mental health issues. Uh, Evans also noted the constant travelling that is the norm in the main roster for WWE talent made it hard for her to spend time at home with her family. Obviously, she's just back after giving birth uh, to her second child. Um it never really got going for Lacey, did it? She had that weird kind of walking in and walking out the ring gimmick. Then uh, when we introduced NXT people, then she was thrown into a feud with Becky Lynch far too soon uh, and was left absolutely exposed. She then kind of floundered. Then she was rumoured... The, the storyline was that she was meant to have been impregnated by Ric Flair, only to oh. end up pregnant in real life. Ric Flair has that effect on people. And <laughs> then came back with different gimmick after different gimmick after different gimmick, and it just... A, a promising gimmick at the start. The Sassy Southern Bell I thought was great, but it just... Too much too soon, and then too much floundering, and then by the end of the seven years, it was like... Oh God, really? So it's it's a nice reason why she's leaving WWE. You know, it, she's chose to leave to you know help people in the community and to raise her family. But it's it's one we saw coming, I think. 
Yeah, definitely, because like, none of our gimmicks properly like, landed, especially not on the main roster. Like, especially I remember like, less than a year into our main roster and after the long feud with Becky, she got moved over to SmackDown and post-Survivor Series, like, leaning into the Rumble. They were so they had so little people for uh, Bailey and Sasha to be feuding against as the top two heels on the brand. They said, oh, all of a sudden we don't like Lacey Evans because we blame her for a loss that seems SmackDown got Survivor Series. So now Lacey Evans is a face now. You should all admire her because she is a mother. No one else in this, in this um, who wrestles on TV is a mother. No one's no one but her. So please, please respect her. I mean, the stuff with Ric Flair, I think the rumor was she was meant to win the Raw Women's Belt from uh, Asuka, like Elimination Chamber, just so she could lose it to, to Charlotte at Mania yeah. to up the numbers on her number range. So glad that didn't happen. Uh, for both Charlotte and bloody Asuka. And then, yeah, the gimmicks, like, I've heard interviews with her where a lot of the stuff she was talking about when she did those vignettes talking about her, her, her rough upbringing, like, a lot of that is true. So, you know, the idea of, like, yourself it turned up a little bit, you know, using reality and moving, like, this could have been good. And then all of a sudden, they, after a couple of weeks after she came back, they were like, oh, she's a heel now, because she demands respect because I'm a, I have fought for this country. Why are you not respecting me? That's, that was her thing. And then all the drill sergeant thing, which the most ridiculous thing about that was, oh, Sergeant Flora's daughter's calling her out for stealing her father's gimmick. Yeah, at least he actually served in the military, unlike your dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was just a mess and a hodgepodge of different gimmicks, wasn't it? And by the end, best of luck to her, but I, I don't think uh, many people will be will be upset that she's not wrestling on a regular basis anymore. Um, back to the... Well, that's, the big, that's the real big question this week. What is your favourite Lacey Evans match? <laughs> it's not a big question. It's a big ask to get people to remember one. <laughs> um, so professional wrestling will be the focus of an upcoming docu-series on Netflix that we talked about a wee minute ago, with wrestlers set to premiere on the streaming platform on September 13th. The series, directed by Greg Whiteley, will centre on Ohio Valley Wrestling as Al Snow tries to keep the promotion running after the former WWE wrestler sells his majority stake to, in the company to a group of local businessmen in 2021. Um, the Sipnos... Sipnos... You say Synopsis. it. Thank you. <laughs> Slab on air, air myself here. For wrestlers states, once a proud finishing school for aspiring pro wrestlers, the gym has since hit hard times, hard times. Acclaimed wrestler... A stretch. Al Snow clings to an old school wrestling philosophy with a heavy emphasis on storytelling. But in spite of of the love of a few diehard fans, the gym struggles week to week to stay relevant enough to keep its doors open. Things have become so dire financially that Al has to share it has to sell a majority stake uh, to the group of local businessmen, including Matt Jones, the most popular radio personality in the state of Kentucky. Oh, God, all the celebrities are out for this one. Jesse for Big Brother, a radio personality for Kentucky, and George Bowie's going to be on it next. Matt and the new ownership group have infused the struggling gym with much-needed cash, but it still operates at a staggering loss. The new owners have given Al the summer to turn things around. Wrestlers chronicles the efforts of Al and his band of aspiring wrestlers uh, as they struggle with their personal ambitions and each other while they attempt to come together to save the historic gym. <sighs> a lot of that sounds like the synopsis of like the first two seasons of fucking Glow, where like, Al is uh, Mark Maron's character, where it's Sam or whatever his name was, and this new guy comes in with ideas like fucking Bash, like, no, we need characters and this and that. Oh, good news for fans of Control Your Narrative, all six of you. EC3 will feature the documentary. Oh, as, will, as will Jesse Gorderes. Yes, Taz, the Jesse will be appearing. It says, the promotion operates today as independent wrestling as an independent wrestling promotion featuring the likes of EC3, Jesse Gorderes and the Outrunners. I think the Outrunners are very much the Raven and Viscera of the, <laughs> of the logo here. We need a third one. Uh, the Outrunner sounds cool. Okay. Uh, also, Jack Vaughn is the current OVW heavyweight champion. Uh, I've seen him, and he looks fucking old. <laughs> he makes Johnny Swinger look like a fucking up-and-coming star. <laughs> Vic Vaughn and Jack Jarvis created... Jack Vaughn. <laughs> oh, I'm sure this will be good. I'm sitting taking the piss out of it. I will watch it, obviously. Um, September 13th, that comes on to Netflix. <laughs> oh, 
Raise your hands if you want to go faster. <laughs> so anyway, WrestleMania, that's smashing, isn't it? <laughs> but pills in comparison to all of you, Anyway, uh, WrestleMania 40 tickets went on sale this past week. Uh, the Two Night Spectacular, which will be taking place from... Shh. On... Uh, the Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia on Saturday, April 6th and Sunday, April 7th. Uh, I'm just reading this article here. WWE has not announced any matches for the event yet. Uh, <laughs> but on Monday, WWE announced that WrestleMania 40 broke the company's all-time gate record in one day. Tickets for the event went on sale on Friday and the company sold 90,000 tickets. Total sales for the event surpassed the previous gross total record of 21.6 million set by WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles. Um, limited tickets for WrestleMania 40 are still available via Ticketmaster. Uh, two day on location, uh, WrestleMania has sold more fan experience packages for WrestleMania 40 than last year. It also broke the all time revenue record for a single WWE event in this area. Um, the WrestleMania 40 record is the latest box office win for WWE. The company also set a new highest grossing record of $8.5 million for the SummerSlam at Fort Field in Detroit this past August. Um, what do you call it? I've seen a lot of people moaning online and arguing online and bickering online about Oh, well, AEW did this and AEW sold 80,000. It's only one day. Ah, but WWE sold more and it's 90,000. Ah, but it's only, that's over two days. I'd still so. Can we not just be happy that 80,000 people are going to watch one show and then eight months later, 90,000 people are going to watch another show? Like, can we not just be happy that, you know, this is the thing that people said about AEW and about impact wrestling and all that you want these promotions to succeed because there's more places for wrestlers to work and make a living and the wrestlers of AEW and WWE are going to make a very good living with the fact that all in you know and we'll discuss it on Thursday you know whether it's a booking success but it's certainly going to be a financial success as is Wrestlemania you know it's a good time to be a pro wrestler and it's a good time to be a pro wrestling fan yeah and like if you're a wrestling fan you know You've got, you know, the money like like a sit like a Gary Kiernan who he's gonna be with us at all in, but also he went to WrestleMania earlier this year. There's gonna be probably quite a few fans who go to all in that also go to WrestleMania, so it doesn't really matter. I get what you're saying about people arguing, but you know, it's good and it, like there is a cynical part of it, like them announcing these numbers just as AEW is announcing like breaking like a WrestleMania the WrestleMania thirty two attendance like record, uh, with the amount of people there because obviously you know, believe it or not, there weren't actually a hundred odd thousand people in at WrestleMania 32. But, but, you know, other than that, like, the fact that AEW and WWE seem to be with every pay that comes out, it's the most profitable of this or most money made of that. So, you know, well, because record breaking gates and everything, people arguing backstage, it feels like the 90s all over again. So that's a good thing in a way. And, you know, it's weird when AEW was starting up, people were like, oh, this company giving WWE proper competition again. You know, the fans will win, you know, when these two great companies, if they're both testing each other and both putting out great content. But now they are doing that and making a lot of money doing it. And people are still arguing, like, stop arguing and start winning <laughs> as a fan. That's what I'm thinking about it. But MJF put a really good tweet, I'm assuming, responding to the success on WWE and AEW side financially, saying both companies that are setting attendance slash gate records left and right Pro wrestling is winning. Fans are winning. But most importantly, I think we can all agree on this. I'm winning. Hashtag better than you. <laughs> um, so from WrestleMania tickets to someone who might not be at WrestleMania, um, if rumours are to be believed, uh, Seth Rollins has recently opened up about his health issues. Uh, Seth Rollins will take on Shinsuke Nakamura at Payback on September the 2nd for the World Heavyweight Championship. Last week, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura whispered in uh, Seth's ear, it's free real estate, uh, then he whispered in his ear, I know about your back. Um, Everyone's got a back, Shinsuke. 
<laughs> I know about your back. Watch your back. Um, Seth Rollins revealed on the Logan Paul podcast a few weeks uh, was it a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was recorded around about my bank day, but then it didn't come out till a few weeks after. He revealed that he'd been putting off um, a back injury, uh, back surgery for a while, and he doesn't know how long he can keep going with uh, with without uh, the surgery. And all this says to me, and you know, in canon, is that Shinsuke Nakamura is an avid listener of Impulsive in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or some guy runs up to Nakamura. Have you listened to the latest Logan Paul podcast? In which I hope Logan Paul, eh, I hope Shinsuke Nakamura walked away from that person. Um, but yeah, on on Raw, Rollins noted that he didn't like to talk openly about it, but he was indeed dealing with a back injury. Specifically, he stated that he has two fractures in his lumbar spine. Bear in mind, this is on WWE TV. Um, so we don't know how legitimate that is. However, Rollins emotionally stated that he's been dealing with the injury for over four years and he's uncertain to how much time he has left with his ability to compete at his level. However, the champion brushed it off by stating it was part of the gig. So this is um, this is the kayfabe comments that he's made on Raw. However, he previously discussed it, as we mentioned, in July. Speaking on Logan Paul's Impulsive podcast, Rollins states he's trying to avoid getting surgery on his back. Uh, my knee's been bugging me since before WrestleMania, said Rollins. I was having issues with that. My neck's acting up. My lower back's been at me since 2019. Probably should get surgery on that, but trying to do whatever I can to make sure I don't need to because I have a couple of stress fractures back there. Um, so, yeah, it does seem as if Seth might be having to take some time off. Obviously, there is the uh, writer's strike uh, in America just now. Captain America, New World Order, is currently a halted production, so I don't know if he has much more to do on there. I know he is a secondary villain, but he's going to be doing that. Is he going to be able to stay around much longer? As you know, Say what you will about Triple H, but it's it's been made clear in recent years that he does take a lot more care of the talent and sometimes he does take these people out of the out of the firing line to, you know, go heal up for a while and I think this might have to happen with Seth Rollins. Yeah, I heard when I heard about him describe the injury on Ron, I'm thinking like, well, I know Seth always wanted to be like Shawn Michaels, but come on, Seth. <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, I remember I did listen to that Logan Paul episode I had it on while I was working one day because I'm not an avid listener of Impulsive but whenever there's someone from WWE is on then I do listen to it because there's some decent stuff on there like, I like when Roman was on when Triple H you know was was doing the show and then Seth mentioned the back injury so like, it was interesting they were bringing it in a storyline I'm, I'm assuming it's in part to you know make it seem like well, Nakamura is definitely going to exploit this and make people think even for a half second that Nakamura might win even though Literally everything else about Nakamura and everything else in the Reese booking tells you there's no fucking way he's winning that belt. You know, I would sooner believe Jinder Mahal is going to get another run than Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win that world title. But I'm wondering if it's a case of acknowledging it on TV is a case of, well, Seth is done it putting off the surgery. I'm wondering if he's realised that maybe he's not going to be able to put it off for much longer. And with the money in the bank, everything being around. If Seth injures his back during a match in KF at least and then Demon Peace cashes in him, it gives him the perfect weakness to exploit to to take Seth out, especially given I think like given that Demon Peace's main finisher is a choke slam, you know. I mean a back injury is one of the worst injuries to have because there aren't many bumps that you can avoid, at least landing partly on your back from taking, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think I've written here it doesn't point to a Nakamura win, as you said. I think the more than likely outcome is Seth finding a way to win, attacking um, Shinsuke attacking him after the match, and then Damien Priest cashing in. I don't see Nakamura with the title. I'd, I'd love to see Nakamura with the world title. Um, they've done a good job in trying to build him back up here, but I think it is a bit too much too soon for Shinsuke in this current phase, considering the damage done with previous runs and uh, near misses in the past. Um, but yeah, I would like to see I would like to see Nakamura get a world title run, but I think everything points to 
Damien Priest cashing in and then the eventual splitting of the Judgment Day before uh, we see Balor versus Priest for the world title potentially. Um, but I think, yeah. I think, I think to add on to that, I mean, Judgment Day is all over the marketing for payback. I know no. it would be a weird like pay per view, like a BVU to have the world title change hands, but I think again, it adds something to what is also seen as a BVU review. The fact that all out is this next day, maybe the WWE was like, if we have this title change happen, you know, making me the the more talked about show that weekend. I mm-hmm. think obviously seen on Raw, you know, Balor and Priest were meant to tie together against Sammy and Kevin, and he had Rhea pretty much forcing him like a mother, <laughs> grabbing to him. He's like, take your little brother with you, go on. I'll have me, I'll have no, I'll have no, I'll have no more arguing. And so like, I think it's a case of like the two days seem like they're at each other's throats. This world title win, but it briefly brings them back together. And then maybe after Survivor Series, if they lose like a war game style thing, then the cracks can reform. Because kind of, they've seen them as like the successor to the Bloodline, according to rumours about WWE. And you remember the Bloodline, there were always points before they were able to like split in the breakout where, you know, there were cracks, then they got all together. There were cracks again. Then Sammy helped them win at uh, Survivor Series. Then they're all good again. Then the Rumble happens. So, you know, they tease you and then something brings them together again. And then you leaves you wondering even more like, when's it going to finally happen? Yeah, I think um, Cody uh, had an interview last night on Raw. It was one of those interviews where he said a lot but said nothing. But he mentioned that he wanted to um, he wanted to take on the Judgment Day, and he would be uh, he would be supporting Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, the New Day won a match last night on Raw, uh, defeating Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. Uh, to become number one contenders for the WWE Tag Team Championship. So I'm wondering if we get that before payback or if we're going to see a sort of six-man tag at payback between the Judgment Day, Cody and uh, Sammy and KO. Uh, Not too sure what else the Judgment Day can really do on that show, to be honest with you. Um, I'm thinking because... There was a, another segment involving G.D. McDonough where we had to say, Fowler says you had to talk to you about something. G.D. went to follow up. She puts her hand in and goes, Judgment Day only. So I think the next stage of this phase is like Finn trying to convince the other guys to let G.D. join. And if like Finn's not going to win the world bill, and it feels like he's not had anything unlike the others like to really hang his hat on. So maybe G.D. and Balor being the combination of the Judgment Day to finally bring the tie belts in. Because also they've fought every other combination, like have Sam and Kevin of the of the Judgment Day. So changing up a bit and having JD kind of prove himself by helping bring in the tag belts would be a good one. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one at the minute with Judgment Day um, because obviously you mentioned they see it as the successor to the Bloodline. More Bloodline drama that's coming Friday on SmackDown because uh, Jimmy Uso will be live. Uh, on a show that's in Canada, by the way. I didn't realise he could do that. Obviously, he had his previous run-ins with the law. Um, yeah, I think, I think they, yeah, I think they said, like, I think everybody thought when uh, when Roman told them not to be at Elimination Chamber, that was the cover-up. I think they still both showed up, so I think those got lifted. Uh, I think they got that, that, that uh, thing about Mobile Canada got lifted like late 2022. So he is now able to go to Canada. All right, fair enough. Um, let's talk about the other matches uh, advertised for payback. Let's talk. Raquel Rodriguez is back. Um, she is going to take on Rhea Ripley for the Women's World Championship. And Becky Lynch is going to take on Trish Stratus in a steel cage match. Um, obviously, people were talking about how they were unhappy that Trish and Becky weren't on SummerSlam. It seems like they're going to get more of a more of a spotlight here. It could even be the main event, uh, and rightfully so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, depending on what happens with the Judgment Day, like if they are planning the cash in, then maybe the world title will change hands. I think I've seen some people say that the world title needs to main event a few pay-per-views, and given that the, the other world title isn't going to be there, that like having this actually close a show you know, would help legitimise it. But I think they were always planning on making a stipulation for it, and maybe they thought that Payback is a BB if you could use a big stipulation match, so they pushed it back here. I think Trish has apparently been pushing for a steel cage match because she's never got to do one. I think in this recent run, she's been doing things she's never got to do. You know, she got to compete in a Money in the Bank ladder match, now she gets to compete in a steel cage. And apparently, 
like next week they're doing Zoe versus Becky again, but this time falls count anywhere. So maybe it's a case where like Becky does a spot with Zoe that kind of takes her out. So it's just her and Trish is on her own in the case. It's where Trish finally gets her comeuppance. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I'd say that we get to see Trish main event a pay-per-view. I don't think she's ever done that before. And it's pretty much the last thing she's got to do in her career. And then she can sort of, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to see her still about. I'd like to see her and Zoe going for the tag titles, maybe. You know, our new tag champions, Chelsea and Piper Niven. Uh, because Piper showed up and said, that's my belt. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see them go after the titles. But I wouldn't have any complaints if this was our last match. I think it's a, it's a good send-off. She's had a, good, a really good heel run. Um, some fun matches. Some fun promos. Zoe Starks has got a rub out of it, and yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind if this was the last of it. Yeah, and also we're, we are going to talk about Rhea and, and Raquel and everything. That's like she's the one person that seemed to be pushed towards Rhea Ripley, you know, being on her level and everything. And there's a whole chaos with the way they put that triple threat feud with Bianca, Charlotte, and uh, Asuka. And it's weird because we've been talking about you need more stories that don't involve the title. And there is women's division. I think this has been the longest story they've told in a long time in the women's division. And there's no title on it. It's just a kind of a blood feud. Because they've been telling this since I think it was like two weeks after many where they did the bit where she took Trish Leah's place. They lost the tag belt and then she betrayed Becky. So it's been going on for nearly what four or five months at least at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's been it's been a good run. It has been. I've really enjoyed it. But I think it's time to you know come to the end. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez versus um, versus Rhea Ripley, R&R. Um, <coughs> funny on my words here. Um, <laughs> for the Women's World Championship, I like the fact that, you know, Rhea's been built as, you know, this unstoppable bully. She's bigger than everyone. And now it's like, eh, you're not bigger than me. And you know, Rhea Ripley, uh, Raquel Rodriguez is back and she's back with a score to settle. It's a ready-made feud ready to go. I don't see this being a clean finish. I see this being a DQ finish and building to fast lane, you know, getting a bit more out of the bit more out of the feud. Maybe. I think a lot of people are annoyed about the way that Rhea squashed people both on pay-per-view in terms like Zelina and Natalia, but then which she's ran through like Candice Lorraine and the Hartwell in recent weeks. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that, you know, making Rhea seem dominant so that when she has a somewhat competitive match with someone like Raquel Rodriguez, it makes Raquel look impressive that she's managed to, you know, last longer with Rhea than anyone else has in this reign so far. And also you've got the history, they were pals in real life in NXT. They had the thing where Raquel sent you know, Rhea out of NXT and now you got all the stuff later that they've been teasing. I think Rhea definitely will retain. They'll they'll make Raquel look very more dominant over Rhea than anyone else has so far. But like one like swift kick to the knee when she looks like she's down, uh, re re exploiting that injury and Rhea will retain. Because I think once Becky's done with Trish, I think the real money is uh, a Rhea versus Becky feud for the title. Because I think they did tease it like right before mind event. They said a back to thing where they both looked at each other and one of those ones where you had two people stay each other to see how the crowd reacts. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it, it should be an interesting, as you said, um, the dominance that makes Raquel Rodriguez look more impressive, even in a loss, uh, when she eventually takes Rhea to the limit. I Again, I see this being a, a, a dusty finish, and I think, think a DQ win for Raquel, or maybe like, you know, a... Rhea winning via nefarious means, but I do see this being a multi-month feud. I don't just see it, oh, she's back. Oh, it's fastly. Oh, it's payback. Oh, it's done. You know, I see <laughs> I see a dusty finish here. Well, that's your opinion. Uh, let's talk about a potential Intercontinental Championship match uh, at the payback uh, of, uh, sorry, in the payback event. Last night on Monday Night Raw, Gunther lost his first single match on the main roster. He lost via count out to Chad Gable um, for the for the with the Intercontinental title on the line. Gunther does retain. However, Chad has made it made it clear that their rivalry is not over and that he's coming for that championship. Gunther berated 
his Imperium teammates after the match. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser saying he was going to make it right, and next week he's going to take on Otis. I think that's just building towards the the eventual Chad Gable versus Gunther match. Scott, Gunther is so close to breaking the record. WWE wouldn't do that now, would they? They wouldn't, you know, give a big pop to Chad Gable just, just as Gunther was about to break the record, would they? I mean, they would. They definitely would. But I don't think they should. I think something you should do here, I think they did do a notice Gunther match on TV, but I think something you could do here is have Chad get beaten down by Imperium like write him off for a couple of weeks, have have Otis try and avenge him at payback. It's what I would do. Obviously, have Gunther win, and then like the night after, Chad re- Chad returns and said, "I want my rematch next week." The match I'm, I'm owed, and when you get to that following week, Gunther's already passed the record. Because as happy as people will be for Chad, there will be that little bit of an asterisk, and people being a little bit sour on the fact that they didn't give him the record. So, if you wait to the first opportunity after the record's broken. You can say that he is the longest reigning champion and Chad gets his big win and you just get it just before, you know, it seems like it's gone on too long. You get it like at the right, you know, time for him to finally get his first like singles title in WWE mm-hmm. because it's just, I don't think anyone before would have foreseen Chad being the perfect person to do it, but just how organically it's kind of bled into this, they've stumbled into the story and found the right person. Mm-hmm. And also more importantly, again, like, the fact that this is the some people have been saying that they don't want Gunther win it because it's just because they think it's funny that the workhorse belt still has has its longest reign accredited to a guy who was not a great worker, but I think the joke is worn thin. Like trying if they can creatively find a way that keeps people wanting it to be able to after payback and then give them the belt, then I'm on board of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still want to see Gunther hold it even longer, but I think, see, once Gunther loses it, be it to Drew McIntyre coming back into the fold, be it to Chad Gable, be it to anyone, because he has a, a, an absolute, you know, he's ran through everyone, and there's so many people that want to get their hands on that title. But see, once that title run's done, can we stop with these mega long title runs? Because one of the reasons WWE TV feels a wee bit stale at times is the fact that they keep doing these mega title runs. And don't get me wrong, seeing like the the World Championship picture and the Roman Reigns picture, although it is, you know, starting to wear thin, there's still storylines to be told. However, Bianca Belair's felt like it lasted an eternity and it really did just drag out. It, it wasn't worthy of a long title run. It was a good five-month title run stretched out over a year and a bit. It just, she should have lost it at WrestleMania. And then you have the Usos who held the tag titles. And I, I'm I'm happy they held the tag titles as long as they did. But it did make, you know, everyone else on SmackDown feel like a level below everyone in the bloodline. I think them losing the titles and being a bit more vulnerable made would have made the bloodline seem a bit more bit less bulletproof, if you will. Um, yeah. And obviously we'll get Gunther with the Intercontinental title. You were mentioning, obviously, about how payback was um, an odd place to maybe have a world championship change. Um, and I spoke to Dave a couple of weeks ago. I think he was talking about, no, no, you've got to have the world title change hands at this event. I can't remember what title it was. He went, no, no, you've got to have this title change hands at this event. Or and David Campbell said to me, would they really have these titles change hands at a B pay-per-view? The thing is, WWE used to do this all the time. You know, every pay-per-view was must-watch because they had a roster where anyone could fill in as champion. And they didn't do these long runs. They had, if someone held the title for about six, seven months, they looked impressive. But they kind of capped people at three months. And what they did there was then put these people into non-title feuds and still keep the momentum going. It's not about what you do as champion, it's what you do after you lose the title, I think, is important. And so often WWE backs itself into the corner of, no, no, we've got to um, we've got to have the title change hands at this big event. We've got to have the title change hands at you know these special events. We can't have the titles change hands here at this B pay-per-view. 
we need to get back to titles being changing hands regularly on WWE pay-per-views. I'm not saying every month there has to be a pay-per-view title change, but, you know, maybe, you know, once in a while, two or three title changes on one show, and then, you know, you go two months with the champions defending, then you have one here and one there. I mean, I hate the Elimination Chamber now because it's it's usually so transparent who is main eventing WrestleMania. Whereas you go back to No Way Out 2001, The Rock won the WWE Championship a month before WrestleMania. You go to prior to WrestleMania 15, The Rock beat Mankind on an episode of Raw for the title four weeks before WrestleMania. We need to bring back the suspense and stop with this, oh, well, can we have the title change hands here? Yes, we can, because the unpredictability of a title change is what makes it so good. And stop with these, I know you want to make these current superstars the most impressive bunch of superstars ever, but if everyone has the longest title reign, no one has the longest title reign. It's what made, you know, the New Day so impressive for so long, because they were the longest reigning tag champs. Whereas everyone else, you know, they had the title for five, six, seven months. They held it for that record time. When you have four people on the current roster with the longest reigning title runs, it doesn't feel as special as maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Like, look at that. Like long terms. I've been saying that for a while now. Like the issue with these long terms is they did so many at the same time, like Bianca, Roman, Usos, Gunther, and everything. And I do agree with you in terms of like changing hands at BP. Really, like thing about payback is like the last payback they did is where Roman won the Universal Title. So this yeah. mammoth reign started at a B, what is seen as a B pay per view. And looking at Jaggy, well, I do think if he wins the title, he won't hold it for very long because his character is very much suited to the chase. And then, like by the end of the year, he'll have lost the belt. And I'm just hopeful, like, after he loses it, Gunther and Imperium will be moved into, like, a main event kind of program, like Gunther going after the world belt, because as impressive as Gunther's performance was in the this past year's Royal Rumble, we knew he wasn't going to win it because he was the Intercontinental Champion. So him being Roman didn't seem like a possibility, but he still bit a little bit. So imagine how much more likely it would be if, like, he's not got the belt anymore. And he, do, he would seem like a much more of a serious contender when the, when the Rumble comes around and I look forward to seeing, hopefully, they keep this whole workhorse thing they've been doing with Gunther as champion if Chad wins it, because Chad's you know, a really great wrestler and everything, you know, with the Olympic background, he has got all the comparisons to Kurt Angle. I mean, I've been seeing see what he does with the air going out of the belt, because of ending long reigns. Austin Theory did fuck all of the US belt in his long reign, and just by the fact that Ray's got it, because of the potential of a split up with Santos and where that lies with the, NW, the LWO, has made it within a week more interesting on Ray than like six months with Austin Theory. Yeah. Um, so here's hoping more B pay per view title changes. Join us in two weeks for our impact, uh, for our aid. Uh, fucking hell. Joke's gone now. Join us in two weeks for a payback review where no titles change hands. Um, we're going to wrap it up here. It's only We've only been recording for about an hour. Um, we're going to make this a short one because, obviously, as I mentioned, Thursday we are going to be recording a all-in special. Um, please do not blame us if Tony Khan adds 18 matches on the day of the show. We're going to be <laughs> recording the card as it is on Thursday, uh, Thursday evening. Uh, I'm sure six matches will be added before it's released, but please don't blame us. Blame Tony Khan and his weird and wacky way of booking shows. Uh, thank you very much, Scott, for joining me on the the review of all the all the non AEW news. Yeah, I think towards the end I'd start finding some booking things to make this more interesting because you know <laughs> we can't, there's, there's some drama in the AEW that we can't even talk about right now because we want to tie everything to to Wembley, but you know. It was a fun show, nonetheless. Yes. Join us on, as I said, Thursday for the AEW preview show, where we'll talk to you about who else has been banned from appearing in Collision and who CM Punk doesn't like this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.